Despite not winning any seats in its first election campaign in 2019, Maxime Bernier's People's Party of Canada is back for the 2021 vote, trying to paint itself as a true conservative alternative. But the PPC has been dogged by controversy over past ties to white supremacists, its opposition to measures to stem COVID-19 and its courting of anti-vaxxers, and the involvement of members in angry groups mobbing liberal leader Justin Trudeau. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post columnist Rupa Subramania joins me to discuss what the draw is for some candidates, how the party reconciles itself with its own fringe elements, and whether it stands to play spoiler for other parties in this election. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Rupa, for people who may not be as keyed in on the machinations of right-wing politics in Canada and on who all their choices are for voting in this election, where did the People's Party of Canada come from and why did its founding leader feel the need to start his own party? To answer this question, we have to go back to the conservative leadership campaign in 2017, where Maxime Bernier was the front runner throughout that campaign. If you recall, he won the first 12 ballots and lost by the narrowest of margins of about 1%, I believe, to Andrew Scheer on the last and final ballot. Clearly, when you look at that result, you see that the conservative base preferred Bernier with Scheer emerging as a consensus candidate to unite the different factions of the party. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that, uh, after Bernier lost in 2018, Bernier exited the party and formed his own party, the People's Party of Canada. As he explains in a National Post op-ed, he was trying to get away from what he sees as interest group driven politics that dominates Canadian politics. It dominates the major political parties, including the conservatives, as exemplified by things like corporate welfare. What he claims he wants to do is he wants to go back to core conservative and libertarian principles. He's a huge fan of the Nobel laureate James Buchanan, and he wants a genuine free market and small government party, which he feels the conservatives clearly no longer were at that time. Despite those admittedly lofty goals in Canadian politics, because even, you know, Stephen Harper may have campaigned as a more conservative candidate, but governed ostensibly a little more from the middle, the People's Party of Canada got off to a bit of a rocky start when it was revealed that some of its signatories had some checkered history and may have been seen as being from the fringe or the extreme elements of the right wing. What were some of the concerns that were raised about some of the people involved in setting up this party? Back then, there were these revelations of uh, some highly problematic and unsavory elements, such as white supremacists and neo-Nazis who've attached themselves to the People's Party and to Bernier. Now, to some extent, I would say it's guilt by association. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, to my knowledge, he hasn't called out or distanced himself from these more unsavory characters as much as he could have done. Maybe there's a deliberate ambiguity here as Perhaps he doesn't want to lose part of what is, after all, still a very small support base. But some of those concerns and questions remain unresolved even today. And I would also like to point out that for a party that's this new, it's going to attract all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, those, those were concerns then. I think those are concerns still now, and they remain unresolved even today. Despite having... 
a big amount of support among conservative members in the race against Andrew Scheer in the PPC's big coming out party in 2019, Canadians didn't necessarily appear to be buying his kind of, he had a Trump-like anti-globalist stance and, you know, tried to paint himself as being different than all of the other leaders. And he didn't even manage to win his seat. How did that change him or change the party? Does the PPC of this year look any different than two years ago? Well, uh, the PPC of 2021 and the PPC of 2019, the Bernie of 2019 and the Bernie of 2021 are essentially the same. That's my sense of it. Mm -hmm. But there's been one important change. The world has changed. The pandemic has really changed everything. And the world of 2021 looks dramatically different from the world of 2019. You've had polarizing issues like mandatory vaccinations, vaccine passports, lockdowns, mask use. And I believe many of these issues have galvanized, I would say, many small C conservatives and libertarians. And on that, I think Bernie is the only party leader unequivocally opposed to uh, mandatory vaccinations, lockdowns, vaccine passports, and even mask use. So I think in 2021, I get the sense that more folks are buying into his small government message, especially small businesses that have suffered from protracted lockdowns in many provinces across the country. Certainly, if you look at the polls in 2021, leading up to the election next week, the PPC seems to be polling higher in 2021 than in 2019. So it certainly looks like he's getting more support, especially in Alberta. But, you know, obviously, given our electoral system, you know, it's not going to translate uh, to too many seats, if at all any seats. As we talked about earlier, there was concerns when the party was founded and even some concerns now of, of having this reputation of being anti-immigrant or anti-multiculturalism. You wrote an interesting piece recently about a number of their candidates who would want you to take a closer look at what their party actually offers as opposed to the past reputation, and especially because they themselves are newcomers to the country. What is it that they say Canadians get from the People's Party of Canada? I was struck by the fact, uh, after speaking to several of these candidates and supporters, you know, I posed this question to them. You know, the PPC is generally seen as a party of disgruntled white men who are anti-immigrant, and they essentially laughed at me, laughed at that question, and they challenged this premise by saying that they themselves were immigrants who support uh, Bernier and the PPC. But several of them were immigrants who had either arrived in Canada recently or been here for more than a decade. And they were distressed by what they saw as a loss of Canadian values. Some of them pointed out to um, the tearing down of uh, statues of Canada's founders like John A. Macdonald, they felt that none of the major parties were really standing up for Canada. They were also put off by the big government approach of all the major parties, something that has actually uh, become bigger under the pandemic. And, you know, several of them related to their past experience because they come from countries such as India or from former communist East European countries where government was all pervasive and identity politics uh, was the norm. And so they certainly seemed drawn to Bernie's small government message. For some supporters, a lockdowns and mandatory vaccinations were the issue. There was a genuine fear of taking the vaccine for some of these people. 
For others, it was Canadian values. Uh, One candidate told me he was appalled when Justin Trudeau in 2015 said that there was no real culture in Canada. It was just one homogenous blob of people living side by side. But he said, you know, you go to Cape Breton and you go to uh, BC and you'll see the people there are very different. Culturally, they're quite different. Mm -hmm. And these are values that we must uphold. And that was his opinion. Yeah. And but what united them was that they they all felt that they had no home in any of the major parties, including the conservatives. Is that how the party mainly positions itself this election campaign? Obviously, with the level of support it's getting in the polls, it, it's not a party looking to unseat the government. Is it a party looking to play spoiler for the liberals in certain ridings? Is it looking to play spoilers for a conservative party that supporters feel no longer represents them? And again, I asked this question to several supporters, and the most interesting response was from a founding member of the PPC. And he said they wanted to be the NDP of the right. So in other words, he acknowledges, and many of them acknowledge that they'll never form the government. Bernie will probably, very unlikely to be the prime minister, but, but if they win enough support, they might pull the Tories back towards the right, much as the NDP has pulled the liberals leftward. For example, under this minority government, as exemplified by the huge uh, spending increases where the liberals have been supported by the NDP. There's no doubt in our first-past-the-post system, he will likely play spoiler and eat into conservative support. Uh, The one caveat being, uh, I should note this, that anecdotally, he's also drawing new voters who might not have supported any of the other parties And also appears to be drawing some anti-establishment green voters who are on the other end of the ideological spectrum. So if you've noticed, uh, while the PPC has been going up in the polls, so have the Tories. So something clearly is going on here. Mm -hmm. It may not be a zero-sum game in the end. Bornier could actually be bringing in some new voters who have been disaffected by the established parties. As we've seen in this election campaign, there have been some kind of shocking displays of anger and protest, I guess, you know, maybe a polite way of phrasing it, but this frustration directed at liberal leader Justin Trudeau. And we saw him besieged by crowds of angry people at campaign stops in Ontario. We saw people holding signs depicting him in front of a noose with the word treason. We saw him get pelted with gravel. And this is blown back on the People's Party of Canada because, you know, one of its riding presidents got turfed for allegedly being the one throwing the gravel. How does the PPC reconcile being an outlet of frustration with the government with being seen as the party that is fomenting this almost violent anger against mainstream politicians and the mainstream parties? As I said earlier, there's no doubt the PPC has some very unsavory elements, and it goes back to 2018 when you had those uh, neo-Nazi signatories. And I believe uh, Bernie could have done more to put distance between himself and some of these uh, more unsavory supporters. And as you mentioned, the individual behind the gravel-throwing incident was fired from the PPC. And Bernie also publicly denounced the incident. But Bernie makes an interesting point. He says, you know, someone threw an egg at him at an event, and the silence was deafening from the leaders of the other parties. So it's not entirely wrong to say there's something of a double standard here. And maybe, maybe you know, conservatives, libertarians, and those generally on the right are held to a higher standard than folks on the far left. But certainly, I do think that Bernie could be doing more to distance himself from some of these more unsavory elements, 
But again, it goes back to the fact that his support base is still very small and, you know, maybe just, you know, it doesn't want to alienate people right away, not at this stage of his uh, party. Looking ahead to Election Day, the party is polling anywhere between 5 and 9%. I think at one point I saw a poll that had them at 11% in the polls. But because their popularity is spread out in certain areas, it's it's higher in places like Alberta, where they may poll in some riding second to the Conservatives. But at the end of the day, that support doesn't potentially carry enough for them to win seats. And that includes the leader, Maxime Bernier, who lost his seat in the 2019 election and may very likely not win his seat this time around. What is the future of a party that can't kind of get itself over the hump to win any seats? And what's the future for Maxime Bernier for a party that he founded if he can't even win his seat? Is it the end of the ballgame for him after September 20th? If he doesn't win a seat, does the party kind of wither and die if over the next four years they don't have a presence? So under our electoral system, the first-past-the-post system, they probably won't win too many, if any, seats at all. And this is the tyranny of the FPTP system, but that's our system. It's, it's here to stay. In a proportional representation system, this would be different. Mm-hmm. But in our system, it's hard to gain support, and it supports the mainstream parties. Moving forward, the sense I get is that the movement is here to stay. The issues will continue to resonate vaccine passports mandates the pandemic for example is not has not ended right mm-hmm. we're going to be living with these restrictions and measures for a very long time for several years so the issues are not going to go anywhere i think government is definitely going to get bigger in the coming months and years so as long as the issues remain i think maxime bernier is going to be able to get some of that support by taking the positions that he's been taking about you know of his small government message and standing up for liberties and uh, individual freedom and so on mm-hmm. but it's probably going to be like a european situation where the greens and the right have more support we'll have to see what happens this election and they're here to stay i i i don't see them just disappearing You know, he's managed to, as I said, compared to the 2019 polling, there's certainly more support. Uh, And in some polls, as you mentioned, they're polling about 10 percent in Alberta. I I think over the weekend it was 19 percent. And this is huge. And if not the PPC, then maybe something else will replace it, you know, and if not Bernier, then someone else. So uh, I think they're here to stay. Obviously, we went through a period in the 1990s where... You know, there was a great division on the right. You had former PCs break off and form the Bloc Québécois. You had former PCs break off and form the Reform Party in Alberta. And it was, you know, 10 years in the wilderness, basically, until the Conservative Party reformed under Stephen Harper. And you built up to a point where a Conservative Party formed government in Canada again. Could we be heading back down that road where there's division that causes conservative parties to get back into the kind of infighting that led to some of these problems for the conservative movement in Canada? Or do you see this, you know, the ability to have these debates between these parties and differences of opinion between two conservative parties as a good thing? Obviously, from an electoral point of view, these divisions are not good because it ends up splitting the vote. Mm -hmm. But then you also, in, in a democracy, the more parties, the better. 
most stories seem to be behind O'Toole and Bernie and PPC are still seen as fringe. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, it all depends on how the Tories do this time as well. It's hard to say, uh, you know, at at one point, you know, as this guy, the founding member said, we want to be the NDP of the right. There's no question that the conservatives themselves have sort of moved more to, to, to the center. Some would even argue a little to the left. And then you have the PPC, which is sort of trying to bring them back towards the right in a sense, because they don't see themselves as having any chance at forming the government. But if the Tories fare poorly this time, O'Toole may be ousted at some point, and we may see more divisions in the Tories. We have seen some of those divisions play out in recent months. And how do those divisions get resolved moving forward? It remains to be seen. If the Tories win government on election day, that could change a lot of those concerns because then they, they get to focus on governing instead of, well, why didn't we beat Justin Trudeau? What did we do wrong? All of those sorts of things. Right, exactly. So, um, I mean, it all depends on how Aaron O'Toole does next week. And, you know, and if he's out, I guess we'll see some of these divisions more publicly. Yeah, it you know it will be fascinating to see how the election turns out on Monday, and then what happens uh, in the weeks and months afterwards. Rupa, thanks for your time. No problem, Dave. I hope that was good, and this was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed uh, doing this. Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Rupa Subramania. More from her at NationalPost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>